with you. Uh, if you're one of our guests with us, I want to welcome you in. My name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad that you are visiting with us today. Uh, just to give you a quick heads up, um, sometimes when we get to some of our messages or we get in different parts of the Bible, we'll find ourselves in a place that's more geared towards the church family as opposed to those who are guests. So you're actually getting a view in today of something that's really more geared towards us uh, who are part of the church here. So welcome into that um, this morning. But before we get started, let me pray for our time. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. It is a gift that I get to do that, and so I am thankful for that. I praise you for the truth uh, that you give us. God, I pray that it would penetrate our hearts in a way this morning uh, that changes us. Not from things I say, but because your word is alive and it does exactly that. And so, God, I trust you with that. I pray that over our church family today is that we would grow as we are here and that we will walk out with that newness in our hearts to be world changers. Thanks for this moment. We love you, God. Amen. Hey, uh, so this morning I get the opportunity to talk about what is probably my most favorite Christian principle of, of all. Um, it is a principle that kind of uh, gripped me while I was in college, while I was involved with an organization called Campus Crusade. They recently changed their name to Crew. But it's one of those things that just changed the complete trajectory of my life. In fact, I would probably say that I didn't have a great direction of what I was doing until I came to, to really get this. Uh, looking back on the my early years as a believer, I'm kind of like surprised or kind of uh, confused. How could I have missed this, to be honest? It seems so obvious to me now, but then I really didn't know it. Because this principle is found in Jesus' last words to his followers before he leaves the earth, which should be kind of telling, right? If you had the opportunity to leave your last words with the people that you were leaving behind, you would make them count. They would be the most significant words that you had to offer. They would be what you wanted them to know and for sure that they heard. Well, in the case of Jesus, he knew exactly that these were going to be his last words, and he knew exactly what he wanted to say to his followers at that point. Many of you are going to know this passage, and you're going to have, have heard it multiple times, but my prayer for you this morning is that you would hear it fresh and that it would become to new, a whole new way of hearing it. Listen to Jesus' last words that he told his disciples as recorded in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And know and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What Jesus leaves his disciples here is the priority for all of his followers from that point on. And it's, it, and it's this. The priority that Jesus gives to his disciples is to make disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is the priority of your life. Make disciples. Do you see what I'm saying? Think about this again. Think about this. Jesus' last words to his followers were this, to go and make disciples. Go and make. 
Uh, that's not really two different directions that Jesus is saying. He's not saying, first go, then you make disciples. It's actually all one. What he's trying to get them to understand is that going, what, as you go, people aren't going to necessarily come to you and ask how to become a disciple. They're not gonna, you're not going to be able to accomplish this goal by just staying where you are. You're going to have to go out. In the case of the apostles, they went all over the place with this message. They were in places that we now know as Europe and Africa and Asia. And God might be calling you to do that as well. I don't know. But when we read the word go here, we need to see it slightly different that. It isn't always about leaving our home and going to one of the other countries like Kenya or Colombia or the other places that we go deep with. It might be. I'm not taking that away from the Holy Spirit. He might be calling you to that. But this passage isn't only for those who are called to the foreign mission fields. This passage is for every follower of Jesus. The better way to understand that go, that word go there is as you are going. Meaning wherever you go, wherever you are going, make disciples. When you go into your neighborhood, make disciples. When you tuck your kids in at night, make disciples. When you go to coach the team that you're a part of, make disciples. When you come here on Sunday morning, make disciples. Wherever you go, believer, you walk with the light of the world, and with that light comes a great responsibility, and the priority is sharing it with others and making disciples. In this passage, Jesus tells us that there are two parts, actually, in disciple-making. It says this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptizing them, that's the first part of it. With baptism, Jesus is telling them that they need to go and invite people to come to the faith. Go to non-believers and invite them into the faith. It's called evangelism. So you can think about this, baptism is equal to evangelism. That's the first part of discipleship. Going out with the gospel to bring people to the faith. Baptism is this act of obedience showing that someone has come to the faith themselves. It's the moment that that person declares that I am with Jesus. We talk about it often, about how much we love our baptism Sundays around here. Because as followers of Jesus, we know how significant and amazing this moment is in someone's life. They have given their life to Jesus and they are forever changed. The gospel, the message of restoring work that happens in someone's life when it takes over their life and changes them. Oh, man. It gets me excited just thinking about our next Baptism Sunday. And if you've ever been, had the opportunity to baptize someone else, you know what I'm talking about. But here's an important note. Baptism is not the finish line. It's actually just the starting point. Because there's a second part to making disciples. Baptizing them, yes, therefore go and make disciples, and you do that by baptizing them and by also teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The second part of disciple making is teaching, which is actually, we call it discipleship. Discipleship is not a once moment in time thing. This isn't like one day we baptize you and then the next day we disciple you and then you're good for the rest of your life. It's not like we can teach you everything there is to know and then you're done. But discipleship is this big ongoing process that happens in the life of a believer basically for the rest of their life. 
I want to give you a definition of discipleship. Before I give it to you, I want to warn you, it's kind of wordy. <laughs> it's a really robust definition. It's full of a whole lot of big thoughts. And we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but I got this uh, definition from a pastor that I follow named Robbie Gallaty, and it's really a great definition. And I like it, so here goes. The definition of discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate fully mature followers of Christ. That's the definition, right? <laughs> Let me read that one more time, just real quick here. Discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate fully mature followers of Jesus. I told you it was big. And I don't have time to fully uh, break, unpack all of the words that are in there. Maybe you can do that in your Ridge Groups later uh, this week, and I think that would be helpful. But let me take just a couple of the words here just so that we can see it. First, look, discipleship is intentional. It's an intentional thing that we have to be a part of. In order for discipleship to happen, we are going to have to be intentional about it. We can't just sit back and hope that it happens to us. In order for us to grow in our faith, we have to choose it. And just so you know, it is a choice. You can continue in the place that you are currently, or you can choose to uh, step into and intentionally be equipped. Ultimately, I would say this is a decision to follow Jesus or not because he has called everyone into this goal of being a disciple and continuing to grow. I don't want that to sound condemning in any way if you're not intentional about that right now. Romans 8 tells us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus right now, you have been justified, you are saved, that is amazing news. God's grace is awesome and complete. Hard stop. And at the same time, though, he has called you to follow him and learn from him, and so to be intentional about this process. Intentionally equipping believers. Discipleship is the process of equipping believers with the word of God. Evangelism is the process of equipping non-believers with the word of God. Discipleship is intentionally bringing the word of God to believers so that they become faithful followers of Jesus himself. If you are a believer in Jesus, then discipleship is for you. The believers equip with the word of God. This is our textbook, this is our guide, this is our manual. God's word is center in the life of a believer. If we get away from God's word as our center, things start to go wrong, we get into trouble. There are some great resources out there where people have expounded upon uh, God's word, great books that are helpful for that and make it more understandable for us. But when teachers get too far away from God's word, that's when things get bad. In fact, Paul warns about it in 2 Timothy 3. Let me paraphrase this real quick, but you can see it up here. There will come times of difficulty for people will become lovers of self lovers of money lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness but they are imposters who are deceiving and being deceived as for you continue on what you have learned and know that all scripture is God breathed and useful 
uh, to equip the believer for every good work. The word of God is what has to be the thing that helps us understand. Through accountable relationships. Equipping believers with the word of God through relationships, meaning I invite someone else and I invite or I invite multiple someone else's into my life to help me grow. I allow that person to speak into my life and to help me become who God wants me to be. Listen to how Paul puts it in Ephesians 4. He says it this way. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Jesus himself so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Chad talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about the Holy Spirit in our lives or, and he also talked about spiritual gifts, that we all have been given at least one of these spiritual gifts and it's for the good of everyone that we are using our spiritual gifts when we are doing that, when we are doing our part, when each of us is doing that, then we'll see the church build itself up. Our spiritual gift is a part of that, but it's not the only thing. The other part of that that we're called to is to continue to share what God has taught us. Continue to share what God has taught us through his word so that we can build each other up as, up as well. But Paul tells us this isn't an aimless pursuit. We're not doing this aimlessly. We're not just trying to build each other up. We have a direction. We have a destination that we are trying to get to, which was the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so when we think about disciple making, it also tells us that we have a purpose with our discipleship. And our purpose is that we would become fully mature followers of Jesus. Not just that you would continue to share this information, but that you would share it for a reason, that you are continually building up one another in such a way till one day we are all attained to the fullness of Christ himself. Paul is concerned about what could happen to these new believers in this situation. He says, I don't want you to be children. I don't want you to be infants who are tossed into and fro all the time, but every type of new teaching that comes along. I don't want you to be confused every day about what you are doing. I want you to be solid in your faith. I want you to fully understand and have a complete knowledge of who Jesus is. Paul isn't talking down and belittling these new believers there. He's trying to care for them like a parent would care for a child. I think about this for my kids all the time. This, this concept of things throwing them back and forth, confusing them or whatever. Sometimes my kids will come to me and tell me about this thing that they just learned. <laughs> And I try to get curious for a little while to say, like, figure out what they're talking about because I've never heard this. And one of my first questions is always, like, where did you hear this from, you know, kind of thing. And usually, or half the time, I get the response that I saw it on a YouTube video. To which, I, all of a sudden, my guard goes up immediately. What in the world? Are you serious? They're like, no, no, we saw it with our own eyes. It was exactly this way. And I'm like, you can't trust a YouTube video. They can change it. They can make it look what it's supposed to look like. You can't trust that. 
But honestly, they're kind of tossed back to and fro as a result of it. They just saw something with their own eyes, and I'm here challenging what they saw, and they don't know what to believe a little bit. And so they're really confused about it. From a spiritual point, Jesus is saying the same thing. Paul is saying the same thing here to these new believers. He doesn't want us to stay in that place either. He's warning us that people are going to come along and they're going to say some things that sound or have the appearance of godliness or have the appearance of truth. But, and, and, and we're going to need help to be able to decipher those things. Let me show you what I mean. Let's take a quick quiz real quick here. We're gonna all play a little participation activity here. We're gonna play a quick game here of trying to decide whether this is in the Bible or not in the Bible, right? If this is from God or not from God, right? We don't need to raise our hands unless you really want to. If you're that brave, go for it. it or you can just play with the person beside of you. Let me give you some, some different lines here. All right, here, first one. Here's one that's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. No, not in there. It actually, he does reward those who earnestly seek him, though. So it's kind of close to it, but not exactly. Here's another one. All good things come to those who wait. Nope, not in the Bible either. Some people wait for a lifetime and don't get things they wanted. Here, try this one. To thine own self be true. That sounds like something Solomon would say, but it was actually Shakespeare. Nope, not that one either. All right, here, how about this one? This one we've all heard. Money is the root of all evil. Not exactly, right? Not exactly. The love of money is the root of all evil, which is different, and it matters because money itself isn't evil by itself. It's actually when you've given your heart to money that it becomes evil. Here, one more. God will not give you more than you can handle. Nope again, all right? The Bible says that God will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. All right, if you didn't get all of them, that's okay. Don't worry about it. This is just proving the point from 2 Timothy that Paul was telling to his disciple Timothy about this, that teachers are gonna come along and they're gonna take things that sound to be true they have the appearance of godliness, but they just aren't. And if we try to go this alone, if we try to go this by ourselves, we're gonna have a really hard time being tossed to and fro because we're gonna hear something, we're gonna grab hold of it, and we're gonna follow after it. It might not exactly be true. Discipleship is the answer to this. From God's word, we know that making disciples is the priority. And we know that the purpose of making disciples is that all of them would come to the full maturity and fullness of Christ. Now here is our practical approach to doing that. It's called Discipleship Pathway. Discipleship pathway is like a, like, like a roadmap. It's like a roadmap for the discipleship process. We understand this discipleship pathway by looking at the different people and different kinds of circles of people that Jesus discipled throughout his life. They're like concentric circles, big circles of groups of people that, are in, that, are, that decrease in number as they get closer to the sender, but actually increase in their spiritual development. It'll make sense as we go through here a little bit. Let's first look at the first group. The first group that we can talk about is the congregation. 
If you look at the life of Jesus, you're going to see that there are times in his life where he is talking to what is like known as the 72 or the 120 people. It was this large group of followers that kept congregating around him to hear Jesus talk and, and hear what he was going to say. This is level one of discipleship. It's level one to, becoming a, a, to, to, to entering in, to being intentional about the process. In this, pro, in this idea, a disciple within the congregation should gather together for corporate church, with the corporate church body for weekly worship. And during this time, the believers are equipped and edified for the work of the ministry through the preaching of the word. River Ridge Church is our congregation. Again, look at this passage from Ephesians 4. It says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. This is what we want to do here every single Sunday morning we gather together in here. In fact, according to the scripture, that it's our responsibility as pastors and teachers to equip and build up the saints to do the actual work of the ministry. If you're asking who are the saints that are being talked about here, uh, that, that, that we are supposed to be building up. If you are a believer in Christ, you are a saint. If you are, if you are in Christ and you are a child of God, Jesus calls you a saint. You are his holy, set-apart people. And as pastors, it is our responsibility to give you the tools you need to equip you and to build you up, to encourage you in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the ministry. And this is like the first step when it comes to the discipleship pathway. I kind of think it's helpful to look at the church a little bit like a team. We'll just call it God's team. We'll call it God's team here. He's the owner. He's the one who is making all the major decisions when it comes to this team. He decides who's going to be on the team. All of his resources are invested into this team. Pastors and teachers are like coaches. The saints the people, the people who are children of God, followers of Jesus, are the players in the game. This, what we're doing here this morning, is the locker room, right? This is where we get the encouraging speech before the game, before we go out. This is where we get the game plan of what we're going to do. Andy, Chad, Chad and I, and the other people who get to get up here and stand and get to teach, give the encouraging speeches to the team. But the game is played by the players, and I'm not saying this role isn't important because it is. I think it's a significant role. Jesus gave it. It's important. In fact, I would say it's necessary for the disciple to come and be a part and not miss out on the gathering of this time. When someone tells me they can be a Christian and not go to church or not be a part of a weekly gathering, I cringe a little bit. Because the disciple needs the church. And if you don't come in here, if you don't go to the locker room beforehand, if you aren't, you aren't going to know the game plan. The game will be so difficult to play. But the first part of discipleship is the congregation. The second group, it's a smaller group, and you see Jesus when he's with his 12 disciples that he spends most and the majority of his time with. These are the guys that he has invested his life into. These were the closest group of people that he had. They did almost everything to, together for three years. And this second group we're gonna call community. This was Jesus' community. At River Ridge, we have our community circles. We have our community groups. We just call them Ridge groups. For most people, this is where you find your real connection to River Ridge. You come in here on Sunday morning and you are encouraged and you listen and you hear the game plan. 
But if you want to start building relationships, if you, want, or if, if you are going to need to get into one of these circles, a lot of what we do service-wise here as a church, the things we do out in our community come as a result of our ridge groups. We go deeper into the encouragement or the, uh, the pep talks that happen on Sunday morning uh, in these groups, and we talk about how we can put them into practice, how we can actually grow from them a little bit more. We have a rhythm in our groups that we call meet weekly, party monthly, serve quarterly. And the idea is that we gather up every week and we meet together to talk through the discussion guide about what God has said through his word and how do we apply it in our lives. This idea that we party monthly the, is, is not that we just have a party at our house every month. The idea is that we use this group as an opportunity to invite others who are outside the group into the group. And so we create an atmosphere that allows for them to be able to come into it because it's difficult sometimes to ask a non-believer to come into a Bible study that they know nothing about. But it's a whole lot easier to say, come to my back porch for a cookout. And so we have this monthly gathering where we invite people who are outside of the group to come into it. And then we serve quarterly as a group. And the idea is that when we put shoulder to shoulder with each other, when we go out to serve in our community, the discipleship that happens as a result of that is amazing. Sometimes I'm surprised over what can happen is when we go and we go hand to hand and work together, we go shoulder to shoulder and put our backs behind something, that what we can do in two hours while we serve together accomplishes more sometimes than three dinners do together. It's amazing what can happen, and it's a big part of the spiritual pathway to go from this place where we are listening to the message to where we get into it a little bit more and we're talking about the message together as a group. And so it becomes the second step and the second part of the discipleship pathway. And that we want to move you, if you're in the congregation, to go into a community, right? They go from listening to applying. And our ridge groups are the starting point for our relationships, our spiritual growth and service, both inside and outside the church. The other thing that happens in our ridge groups is that we find friendships that are built as a result of it, which leads us to our next circle, uh, and it's called the core. Within Jesus' 12 disciples, he had three that kind of stood out a little bit uniquely different that he spent an extra measure of time with. Their names were Peter, James, and John. These were kind of the core, people that he saw. At River Ridge, we have another set of groups that we have just started over the last couple of years, very kind of new, but we call them D-groups or discipleship groups. Discipleship is happening in all the circles, whether you're in the congregation, the community, or if you're into the core. But as a result of plugging into one of these D groups, it's like an accelerated spiritual growth. The idea is that we're focused in on growing in specific areas in our spiritual faith and we're held accountable by those people that are in this discipleship group with us. They're smaller in nature because not everybody is ready for this step, but it is the ne another step. In D groups, though it's relatively new, we have about a dozen groups that are going right now. The spiritual growth is measured in five areas that we wanna call the marks of a disciple. And they're missional, accountable, reproducible, communal, and scriptural. I'll just give you an idea what these are real quick. Missional, a, a disciple regularly is praying for and investing in relationships with those that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. 
They're accountable in the sense that a disciple is open and honest about significant struggles they have with other believers. They are accountable to other believers in their life. They're reproducible, which this one could be the most confusing of all. Look at what 2 Timothy 2.2 says here. Paul is talking to his, uh, to his disciple named Timothy, and he says, what you, Timothy, have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, a disciple looks for opportunities to invest in other believers to help them grow in their faith. Reproducible is this idea of like passing a baton on, and it keeps getting passed to the next runner in the race, and they keep passing it on. If it was given to you, it wasn't for you to keep it. It wasn't for you to fumble it. It was for you to pass it on to the next person. And as a disciple, we are called to be reproducible to the mission of making disciples who make disciples. Look at this verse again. Paul actually identifies four generations of discipleship going on here. He says, Paul, me, gave it to you, Timothy. I want you to find faithful men to give it to who are then going to be able to teach other people. Four generations of the way this is supposed to work. When the baton comes to you, you pass it on to the next generation and it always supposed to be moving on to the next person. Communal is the next part of that, communal. And this is the idea that increasing and giving yourself to others, that you become community, others focus, being intentionally sharing your life is essential to love God and to love people. And a disciple regularly engages in biblical fellowship with other believers. And the last is the one that we talked about multiple times already is scriptural. A disciple should experience intimacy with Christ through regularly spending time reading, meditating, and obeying God's word. Remember, it's the guide, it's the textbook, it's the center of the believer's life that it should, we should be growing in our knowledge and, and stature in him. There's one more circle that Jesus taught to, but they weren't a smaller circle, they were actually the biggest circle of all. They were known as the crowd. And if you look at, you'll see Jesus was speaking to the crowds. He was talking to the crowds, telling them about the coming kingdom. And as a, as a fully mature follower of Jesus, we are called to go into the crowd with the gospel. Through divine appointments and relational evangelism, engage non-believers with the gospel message. Bringing them with a message that they can leave the crowd and become part of the congregation, that they can know who Jesus is and come to know him. I feel like American Christians sometimes have flawed thinking sometimes about what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. They either think one way that it doesn't matter at all and so they stay away, but I think there's another way that it's flawed sometimes. Sometimes the flaw is thinking that it's the only thing that matters. Many American Christians think the game is being played in here, but it's not. This is the locker room. This is the encouraging speech that you go out to the playing field. When you are in the locker room right now, ready to hear the, what we are called to do, and then we go and play the game out on the field. You can see this graphic here. It's really hard to read these middle words, but what I wanted you to see here is that the congregation into the community, into the core, into the crowd, into the congregation. And the idea is as a disciple of Jesus, we can be intentional about our discipleship process that if we find ourselves in the congregation, then we want to help you take that next step into the community to get plugged into a rich group where you are intentional about talking about God's word together, that you are growing in that. If you've been in community, if you've been in a rich group for a long time and you 
you're starting to recognize, hey, I haven't been growing in a while, we wanna challenge you to the next step to take, which might be uh, grouping up three to five people for a discipleship group where you focus, get laser focus on your spiritual development. Or if you've been in a discipleship group, group for a while and it's all being poured into you, but you're not living it out, then we wanna call you to go out into the crowd. Every week in here, we talk about helping people take their next step in their spiritual journey with God. Every day we talk about that here as part of our mission as a church, and this is part of that mission, to take the next step into your spiritual development, into your discipleship process, and to be intentional about it. I want you to take those steps, whatever they are, whatever God is calling to you to. If you haven't plugged into a Ridge group to get into community, come Tuesday night. We have Grow Group here available that you can come and be a part of. If you've been in a Ridge group and you're looking for that next step and you wanna see what it might look like to be a part of a discipleship group, you can grab a Connect card and write discipleship group on it and just leave it in the, in the box on your way out. I'll help you get plugged in and, and figure out what that's all about. But whatever your next step is, we wanna help you take that. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this moment that we can be in your house. I thank you for what discipleship is. I thank you that you've called us to more, that you didn't want us to stay as baby believers, but that you've called us to a life that has purpose and meaning, and it's to go and make disciples. God, I pray that we are growing up in our own discipleship today and that we are being intentional about it. Help us to follow after you for whatever you call us to. We love you, amen. That concludes our service. We'll see you guys next week. Have an awesome week.